0: Welcome to In Progress, a podcast to help you grow and learn how to become a better version of yourself. Now here's your host, Michael Sirigliano. Welcome to In Progress. I'm your host, Michael Sirigliano. We got a special guest on today, professional poet by the stage name the Rebel Flower Bomb. DJ by the stage name Oso oh Finesse and teacher Gianni. How are you doing today, Gianni?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: doing fantastic so we were talking a little bit you were telling me you got a book out and you're performing and all of that why don't you tell the people what you're
1: doing um well i'm trying to get back on the stage i kind of took a break um to get myself in order it was kind of a hiatus because um poetry actually can be a lot yeah. but um i do have a book out um entitled the heartbreak series it's on amazon um definitely uh open for purchase uh I um, started DJing last year. Um, I've always wanted to DJ because my uncle is a professional DJ. I want to be like him. Um, COVID happened, you know, was getting that good old unemployment check. Oh, yeah. And I invested in myself and got the equipment that I needed and really started um, playing with the ones and twos. And now I'm trying to be booked and busy. I feel that. Blessed.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I feel, I mean, you're probably the only person I know that used that COVID unemployment and COVID money for something <laughs> good.
1: Like the only one. Don't get it twisted. I did get some gold bottoms. You know what I'm saying?
0: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you splurge a little bit, but at the end of the day, it was still worth it.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. Uh,
0: so, uh, I, I want to thank you for coming on because uh, I wanted to have an episode about mental health and mental mental health awareness in general and you told me that you'd be down to talk about you know your own journey through all of it absolutely so, um would why don't you go through like your early like you know your childhood like when you when, when did you kind of figure out you were dealing with uh mental health issues and uh all of that
1: um to be frank like i didn't really understand it growing up cuz you know discussing mental health issues or anything along those lines is taboo um especially in um black families we don't discuss stuff like that because ain't nothing wrong with you um yeah you, you get an ass whooping and uh that kind of fixes the problem <laughs> so, oh, yeah uh, I feel like you were telling <laughs> the same way
0: italians the same way
1: yeah but um i didn't really know i knew i was a little different um more so i thought it was just because of uh family maybe little personal issues we all um, grow up a little different but i kind of dealt with my emotions different um a lot of times it was pinned on me because i'm a scorpio so uh and you know about scorpios because uh me and our little brother because that's my little brother too you know
2: absolutely absolutely
1: but um when I got into college uh I truly started to recognize that there was a it was something there you know yes. some, some, something was uh something was wrong um I just never truly been able to uh cope with things uh and didn't really know how to handle myself normally i guess yeah. Um, when I was actually in school, I was going to MCC. I actually had to get anger management because of my temper. It was getting so bad. Um, I, was, I wasn't I was a bad kid in school. You know what I'm saying? I was I challenged my teachers. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm right. saying? I challenged the teacher. Uh I definitely tried challenging my mom. But like I said, you know, that wasn't nothing to ask. Whipping wouldn't whip fix. That's right. Uh, but um, in 2012, I lost my grandmother. And that's when everything hit the fan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my best friend, you know. I, I wear this every day as a reminder who she is and what she meant to me. Um, so once my grandmother passed away, every everything that could have possibly been bottled inside of me um, was like shaking up a a mm-hmm. uh, soda bottle soda cannon popping it and opening, and i exploded
0: yeah absolutely no i i definitely understand that i mean i know uh as a as a guy i mean from an italian family it's kind it's, it's kind of kind of similar to the black hispanic upbringing very, very. um i grew up with like my dad even to this day i don't like deal with my emotions properly and i know that for a fact just based on people i talk to and all of that it's kind of like if you show your emotion as a, as an Italian man from my father, especially if if you show your emotions, you're a bitch. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. And like I as a kid, like if, if something upset me and I cried, like how you said it when I'm a kid, if I cried, my dad looks at me, and goes, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. And it's it was always like that. So even now, like it's it's that same thing where like if something's wrong with me. It's getting shoved down, shoved all the way down, and then eventually you're shoving so much, you're up here, and then just that one thing happens, breaks you, and whoever's in the vicinity has to deal with five years of pent up bullshit at it's one
1: that's time. Bottle theory, truly, yeah. you know. Um, and for for us, it was, you know, just just we, when you think about it, you grow up, and they're like, uh, "Don't be a tattletale," right? Right. Truly acknowledging what happened and how it made you feel was being a tattletale, you know, right. Um, exactly. Stop being a crybaby. That was what are you crying for? You're, it's not that bad, you know. <laughs> um, I was actually told before, uh, you don't have real problems, you know. Damn. And in the moment of a severe breakdown, I mean, I'm boohoo crying. I'm like sad as hell was you don't have real problems because there was definitely a time uh, my childhood best friend, she would talk about me all the time. She like you don't cry. Like and I used to always pick on her like, oh, you're a punk. You know, because all she did uh-huh. was cry. But then when I hit my breaking point, it was me who took on that trait of like, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to cry. You know, I can break down and cry right now and not be sad about it. Yeah. Um, that's because I took the initiative and I, I took that step to get the help that I needed because I knew I wasn't okay. It took Absolutely. a little time, but i um, uh, t- 30 years old now, not that old, but definitely um, I did what I needed to do.
0: No, 100%. And that's that's a step that a lot of people either are afraid of taking or they think they don't need. I mean, there's that common misconception that you only go to therapy or you only seek help if there's something really wrong with you and you're like over the top. So if you go to that, I mean, going to therapy, seeking help, that's all taboo in most cultures. Absolutely. And that, in my opinion, like I feel like our generation kind of kind of got to change that because.
1: We are changing it,
0: we are exactly exactly our, is... our
1: generation is the generation of uh, we we take self serious, you know, um we're about accountability and um acknowledging what's important because um our ancestors and our uh, parents and our grandparents and our loved ones, our elders, you know, they were they were focused on keeping things in order on the surface, you know what I'm saying? So they are still dealing with the things they never dealt with, mm-hmm. that we're like, oh, I'm not gonna continue uh, being a part of the generational curses. I'm gonna break the generational curses. We're the ones who are breaking the generational curses. That's why, you know, yeah, years ago, they were protesting, um, they they did that part. But um, just like Malcolm X was like, I'm violent,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: Like nonviolence is not always going to solve your problems. Just like they try to make it like Martin Luther King was this nonviolent person. Like, right? No, sometimes you gotta get your point across. But it was us. It's us now who are like, no, we're not. We're not sticking by this no more. Like, I am not my ancestors. You know what I'm saying? I'm a. Uh, we gonna take our earrings off. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> right.
0: Exactly.
1: And that's what we do with our feelings, our past, our emotions. You know, our demons. We square up with our demons on a regular basis when um, we're we're the ones who are like, uh, yeah, I know I got to go to work and I know I got to get this check, but I'm not okay today, so I'm not going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why they have mental health days. We're the ones who utilize mental health days. Our parents don't use mental health days. And right. if they do, they don't call it mental health days. They wait until they're sick and they ready, their body's ready to break down and tear down for them to say, oh, I'm going to take a step back and take care of myself. Right. We exactly. do it when we know I'm not okay.
0: Exactly.
1: I'm not going to work today. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be bothered today. Leave me alone. I gotta get me in order. Even if getting you in order means taking a shot, even if it means uh yeah. sleeping all day long because self-care is the best care. That's why this generation now, you know, we're the ones who are like, I'm taking care of myself. And I, I really do believe that is our generation because the ones that's coming up after us um a lot of them are in in the space where they take in um they don't know how to cope with their emotions because they do have those parents who are young Mm -hmm. who are stuck in their parents ways because they won't get the help that they need Mm -hmm. you know we had the friends years ago who was on Ritalin yeah and, and now we like, nah, like, I don't think it's ADHD and ADD. And uh, I don't think I need Ritalin to figure this out. I think I got to uh, discuss what happened to me. You know what I'm saying? What's really going on?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I mean, yeah, everybody. I mean, when I was in school, everybody was on some type of ADHD, ADD medication. And it's like, no, a lot of those people, because I knew like the people that I knew probably I have a cousin who was diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or something like that. And they were giving him Ritalin all the time. And he, I mean, he was an energetic, angry person, for sure, 100%. But then you also have to, like, now I sit back and I think, and I'm like, no, he came from a messed up household. Real bad. Like, Yeah, so it's like, you know, your parents aren't happy together. You're seeing that as a six, seven, eight-year-old child. That's not what you need to see. And you. you just act out on it. And you see like you know you see your parents fighting all the time, and your dad's cussing out your mom, maybe starts getting physical, leaves, comes back drunk, all of that, and it's like you're so young, you mimic that absolutely and now as a child mimicking what you're seeing your dad do or your mom do, there's something wrong with you whole time you're just doing what you're seeing like
1: you're just doing what you're seeing. there's a movie that um me and my fi my fiance watched uh couple days ago it's on netflix it's called the shack okay and it's such a beautiful movie and um i don't want to tell the whole movie but um i actually talked about it with my therapist on friday Mm -hmm. um long story short the guy uh experienced abuse as a child and he watched it as a child and um i don't want to say too much (laughs) (laughs) He he did something that was, it was a lot and he he dealt with it um, up until being an adult. And then he had his own family and um, eventually uh, he loses his daughter Mm -hmm. and he has an encounter with God because all he wants to do is take that person away. Like you took my baby away from me um and in this movie um god is god is a woman um at one point god god is who you need to be right um if we get outside of the uh the invisible right uh what we can't see and all of that um god god is uh for for adults when you're a kid, you believe Santa Claus is real. Right. Right. But that's all about your imagination. That's all about your belief system. Right. What's in your Mm -hmm. heart. And that's who God is for us. But God represents a woman in the movie. And then at one point a man, but is there for him and like walks him through it. And then there's somebody who represents Jesus and somebody who represents the breath of wind, um, what others call the Holy spirit.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, really talk to him about forgiveness and it's, it's such a beautiful movie and then there's a part in the movie like I said I don't want to get into taking away from the movie but there's a part of the movie where um God begins to talk to him and God sends him on to uh can't think of what it was at the moment but um they're talking um to him and ask him about forgiveness like wow what do you have to do to forgive and he said you know and saying like i don't want to do it and they ask him well what if this person went through this that's why they made the decision that they made and this person went through this that's why they made the decision they made Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: they break it down to where it's like nobody is doing what they're doing just to do it
0: right exactly
1: they have an entire background their experiences have molded them and shaped them into doing the things that they do uh i have people in my life who have watched their parents be um drug dealers their entire lives guess what they do Same they may have been brought up to do something totally different but i've seen it so i want to see what it's like
0: right exactly i know
1: it's easy for you so that's, I think that's, that's, all a part of it. You know, yeah. what you see is what you end up becoming a part of. And once again, our generation is the generation that says I got to break these generational curses, man. I want to be okay. Um, for me, my mom, you know, my mom worked her ass off. My mom worked for the state. All I see is my mom working mm-hmm. you know, she's tired. She complains about her job on a regular basis and, and today, today she texted me and told me her sciatic nerve was hurting and she could barely walk, you know, she could barely walk the distance in the grocery store to finish grocery shopping for Christmas,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but she had to take a break because of her job. Simply a job is tearing you apart and tearing you down. And yes, yeah, she got the vacation and mm-hmm. yeah, she got the sick time, but she ain't going to use it. Because, oh, well, they need me. No, they don't need you because guess what? God forbid something happened to you today, they're going to replace you.
0: That's a fact. Because guess what? Fact.
1: We we know each other from AT&T. Mm-hmm. They was replacing me before they even told me they was replacing me. That's I already right. knew what time it was. Y'all was setting me up to be replaced. Uh-huh, exactly. Y'all knew the reason why I was unable to work is because my mental health was not in order.
0: Mm-hmm. exactly. And that's... That's the most that's the most fucked up thing in my in my mind is because we were raised. I mean, I'm assuming you were the same way as me. If we if we gotta like call in, if we gotta be like sick to work or not work, uh, sick to school, our parents are like you're not sick. Or if you're sick, you 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 better. Yeah, you're be in bed all day. <laughs> you you're not no video games, no friends, no, you're that's sick. So you're in the you're hospital sick. bed, basically. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So now, like we were trained like that. So now, like if you want to call off for of work you like even for me I remember when I first started with the company I was working day in and day out coming in on my day off working past the time I clock out and stay there all that kind of stuff and it's just because like I saw my dad working non-stop he worked so hard he actually had a break down to the point where he blacked out at work on the job passed out on the floor went to the hospital and then he got out the hospital after a little bit of rehab to be able to walk again and he yeah. went right back and did it again and i'm like what are you doing and then like i see myself doing the same thing and i'm like i see so many it happened to so many people where it's like all right i can't call off otherwise they need me kind of thing and then it's like like you said no they don't if you died bro if you died in The worst possible way if you got gunned down in a horrible way, you're replaced the
1: next day. Even if they show up to your funeral, they got somebody to replace you. Exactly. They're not closing this, they're not closing the store down. No, they're not closing this job down. Not at all. Gone. Um, to be frank, like I worked at 29 school two years ago, I believe, two and a half years ago. My student. His one on one passed away. He had been her. She had been his one on one for the longest. I think she passed away right after leaving the job. Really. The next day he had a new one on one, and the principal was coming to me to take the pl- take her place. So the reality of it is, is that they will replace you. So you have to consider yourself. You have to put yourself first and say, I'm worthy, I matter, I'm going to be okay. If I don't do what I have to do for me, I'm not going to be okay. Mm. So, you know, now I think it, it really takes us being the ones to say, I got to take care of me.
0: 100%. And
1: I, and I I can't be here today. Um and that's why they do have things in place where uh, if you know, if you know your shit, right, let's be, a, let's be, let's be honest. You know, your shit. If you take the time off to get you in order for your mental health, and that's why they always say have a p- paper trail, what you're going to fire me because I'm not mentally okay.
2: Exactly. Okay. Well, I
1: know who to go to. I know who to go to. I know how to handle you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know how to deal with you. Do you want to put me out? I got you. Exactly. You know? so, It really takes us being the ones to saying, I'm not going for this no more. I'm not, I am not my ancestors. That's why that, that saying is so prevalent and it's so heavy now. It's like, I am not my ancestors. I'm not going through what my, my ancestors and my elders did. I'm going to be the one to say, don't mess with me. Don't play with me. Mm -hmm. I got to be good. They're, they're, they're willing These jobs are willing to lose good employees because they put their mental health on the line every single day for those jobs. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They're just all they want is the money. They don't care about you
0: at all. You're just a number.
1: Nothing to them. You're just a number.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the problem with it. Is a lot. I mean, I feel like that's why a lot of people in our generation are going the self employment entrepreneurial route because then you make your sky. If if you're like, for me, I do, I'm doing this. I got like the food thing. I do the, you know, edibles, whatever. Huh? I said
1: the food be banging.
0: (laughs) Appreciate that. When I come back, I'll make sure you get some. Um, (laughs) But like all that's happening because like, if I'm not feeling it one day, all I got to do is post up on social media. Nothing's going on today or I don't schedule something to happen on a day. So I could have time to myself. But like with a job, it's like I don't care what you're going through. You are gonna be here tomorrow at eight a.m. Whether you're (laughs) sick, healthy, not. And then what really caught me is even like if you say you're sick, right? Are you You sure? Yeah. Are you sure you're sick? And if you you are, can't come in. I need a doctor's note, and it's like a doctor's note. I gotta go pay somebody to tell me I'm sick when I know I'm sick, so that you know that I'm not lying. I don't
1: it know.
0: Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what my deductible could be $10. That's $10 I'm not spending to prove to you that I was sick. Well, I got to go out now when I'm not feeling good to prove to you I'm not feeling no.
2: Exactly.
1: You know, that's one thing I love about the job that I'm at now. Um, working with kids is my passion. You know, working with, with, working with youth is my passion. Um, this school definitely is supportive and understanding of health. Mm-hmm. Um the principal, she, you know, pe- people have their ways with them, right? Yeah. But this woman um definitely understands, you know, like if I go to her and I let her know, like, I'm not good today, you know, I don't feel well. The the best thing a person could tell you is take care of yourself, you know. That's when you know you are in the right place. Um right. the nurse at the school, uh one day I was running a fever. Um just this past October, well, September, end of September, I was running a fever. I wasn't feeling good. I was having body aches and I was afraid that I may have possibly had COVID again because mm-hmm. I had COVID early in the year. Yeah. Um, she was like, you need to go home and don't come back for 24 hours uh, if you, you know, until your fever is gone. You know, I disregarded it and I returned to work and ended up getting sick again. I think I had can we had a meeting. I can't went to work actually so tuesday i went home early wednesday i stayed home thursday i returned to work we had a meeting i got home about five o'clock sat on the couch and had a 103 you know and Man. my body was like burning up hot my fiance I like touched me she's like what is going on like are you sure you're okay i wouldn't eat and ended up getting sick i thought it was salmonella um well, yeah, so I had a stomach virus. That's what I said it was. It's just a stomach virus. Yeah. I'll be okay. I stayed home. am playing it. Yeah, you know, I stayed home. I would return to work in the following week. Um I came home and my neck was stiff. Like, you know, I was still trying to push through, go to work at first, but then I had came home, my neck was stiff. I reached out to my doctor. She's like, you need to go to the emergency. It could possibly be meningitis. I'm like, like, I don't know what the is. Well I'll go at five o'clock in the morning. My fiance, oh babe, you need to go now. I'm like, nah, babe, I'll just go in the morning, you know, five o'clock, whatever, when, when it's slow. So like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I went. They did up, they ran tests and did everything. And, that, and the, the moment the doctor came to me and said, Well, we're gonna have to keep you because your uh red blood cells are all over the place, or your white blood cells are all over the place. Something is wrong. We don't know what's wrong, but we can't send you home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, you know, back to that mentality from our parents that, well, I still gotta work. because my mom is, my mom to this day be like, well, Gianni, don't miss too many days. Cause you know, you gotta go to work. And I be like, girl, please. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we we push ourselves because of our parents. Like, mm-hmm. it's not an us thing and no, we're not lazy. And I think that's another thing. We're afraid to be called lazy when we taking care of ourselves, but we're not being lazy. Like, no, I'm really not okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I wasn't working when I caught COVID, but when I, when I was exposed to COVID and I told the job, they were still like, you know, you sure you can't come in? Mm-hmm. There was a time where I had to get a COVID test. I told a particular person who I was supposed to report this to and was okay with me still showing up to work. Well, just don't tell nobody that you got a COVID test.
0: Damn. That's so dirty, bro. So So dirty. I know what what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Uh this is things that I've experienced in jobs. They don't give a damn. And then when I did get COVID, I was on my deathbed. So mm. this ain't something to play with, but these, these jobs don't care. No. But that goes back to your mental health. What about you? And at what point are you going to care about yourself enough to say, I can't do this. I got to be okay for me.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And like, historically speaking, I cause I was looking this up the other day. Cause I was like, you know, the, boomer generation the lazy millennial generation all this stuff right (laughs) Uh, i was i was looking up like historically right and if you had a factory job back in the day in like the 60s 70s 80s like if you had a factory job you were getting paid the equivalent of like 22 23 dollars an hour starting out now full benefits two weeks paid vacation like you were getting everything for an entry-level position. Now, you got to go either rack up some debt at college to work your ass off for years to then get that. Or you got to work your way up through a company and give your blood, sweat, and tears to the company just to get to a point where you're kind of good. But, like, to me, it's like, I, I I understand why maybe they were going so hard because if you were getting paid $25 an hour, for two weeks full paid vacation, sick days, all of that, Spoiler. like, Okay, yeah, the job's looking out for me, too, I guess. But, like, now it's, like, I'm getting paid $11 an hour with a week-paid vacation, maybe a sick day here or there that I got to basically go to trial for, like...
1: Then you then on. you want me to work as a manager, not give me manager pay.
0: Yeah, that whole... Uh, you want me to one. damn
1: near run your jo- your store for you, but you don't want to pay me for yeah, it. Yeah, like, with entry-level pay. The work.
0: Please. Uh, no, fuck out of here. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> do you think back to your teaching? Do you think that you your passion for teaching and um, grooming the youth comes from your knowledge of how like parents affect their kids, adults affect their kids? So you Absolutely. can kind of change that.
1: 1000%. 1, 1000%. 1, I find myself having those conversations unconsciously with kids like um reprogramming them. In in a sense, um, and not in a bad way, but it's uh, I I have a I have a student I work with. uh, My class is first graders, Mm -hmm. and um, you know they're six years old, seven years old, and I have a six year old in my class. You know, who um, if we were to put Paw Patrol on, he would say that's for kids. Exactly.
2: At six, what's he watching? CSI.
1: You know, if, if they put like a little kid dance song on, he's like, oh, this is for babies, you know, like you're yeah, a baby, my guy. Damn. Um we he he made a comment one day um about gays, you know, like mm-hmm. because of Lil Nas X and you know, just yep. he he he's six years old and he's like, Stop telling them that Santa Claus is real, Santa Claus not real. You moved that elf, and I'm like, I actually didn't move that elf. I know I don't know how that elf got all the way up there because I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm just being honest with you, even yeah. though I know exactly how, but yeah. like I didn't realize it was up there. Right. I'm I'm trying to figure out where the elf in the classroom is, the same way you are, boss. But I re- try to reprogram him into being a child again uh, because so many people strip uh being a child from children and a lot of it has to do with social media access uh a lot of it has to do with um siblings so like sometimes you can be six years old and you're the next sibling up maybe 12 years old and you want to follow suit from Mm -hmm. that person and you you want to be older than you actually are because maybe your 12 year old did say that's for babies you know, maybe the twelve right. year old they say that's for kids, and now you're repeating it um, because you don't understand that you are that. Mm-hmm. But um, I try to be the one to remind them, like, it's okay to be a kid, you know. Enjoy yourself as a kid or or do things that, or, or do things or be excited about things for them so that they can enjoy that. So um, this particular kid, like I said, he always makes the comment, oh, that's for kids, and da 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 but I got a bunch of books from five below that they can color in and we printed pages and he decided he wanted to color a Paw Patrol because he wanted to give the picture to me because I was excited to see the picture. That's that reprogramming. And it's like, yes. Oh my gosh, somebody is excited about me coloring. Mm-hmm. Even if it's Paw Patrol, well, that's Marshall. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a beautiful thing to see children be children, but, um, it all comes from upbringing, and um, I was a kid, you know. My right. mother didn't let us be too grown, you know. Mm-hmm. My mother made us be children. Um, my family made us be children because it was so many children in the family, right. you know? exactly. All of my cousins were siblings, basically. So we grew up doing kid stuff, we were going and playing tag and uh, hide and seek outside and catch and. We were being kids, you know, we knew Monopoly games, but I'm, today I'm 30 years old and my sister is 31, she'll be 32 in February, but I couldn't hang with my sister because my sister, it was her and my older cousins. Yeah. So she went with them and I was just a couple of months too young. So I had to go, I was literally, it was me and then it was my sister.
2: Right. You were the cutoff.
1: I was the cutoff. So I had to be with the other ones. And Mm -hmm. then there was the ones that were younger than me. Um, Working with kids is that reminder every day, uh, that innocence, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: keep your innocence and um, because it's it's important. It's imperative.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, even as adults, you could you could see this through any adult i mean if you if you take your life and you live it like how our parents did right mm-hmm. or you live it like how you're supposed to live or whatever you're living a boring mundane miserable life even as adults like i find myself my friend like i have friends who like do that boring like they don't really want to like do fun things because like they're like mm-hmm. oh no that's like that's some high school shit and it's like you're ch- even as an adult you're still chasing that like childlike fun and excitement and spontaneity yeah. like that i mean that's just what we forever need that's how like, so young. exactly and that's like you it. see like our parents like they were just like i don't like my dad and my mom like my dad comes home from work a beer tv and then it's news the whole time and it's like there was no fun in that like it was literally you live to work and that's it and that's the worst way to live
1: that's the worst, you know, and thank God uh, I tell my mom now, you know, now I can have uh, more open conversations with my mother um, without feeling bad and without her making me feel bad about it because you know um, how it is for us, you can't challenge your parents. Um, but now uh, I challenge her in a way that is not disrespectful if that makes any sense. So Mm -hmm. I I try to get my mom to step out of her comfort zone and live a little bit. Mom, you need to live a little. And I was just saying, literally, I was just telling my fiance on Sunday, we had a Christmas party, a family Christmas party. We had a Christmas brunch. And I said, you know, babe, mommy would never get up and dance. You you, you could, listen, you couldn't tell me you got a picture of my mother years ago. Mm -hmm. She hated the camera. It was like she was a vampire or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) hated the camera. Now she'll talk, John. Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't like taking pictures, but, you know, like, (laughs) she'll take pictures. There was a time where my mom didn't feel a thousand percent confident and she wouldn't dance in front of people. And now she lives. She lives a little because she says it all the time. I don't want to be like my mom. You know, my grandmother, uh, I, I suck at math. Um, mental math at times but my grandmother passed away in 2012 she was born in 1949 I believe she was 63 years old when she passed away Mm -hmm. Um, but my mom say all the time I don't want to be young like mommy you know I want to live and my grandmother went through my grandmother's first um, blood clot excuse me her first blood clot was in 2000 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: 2001 she had a stroke so if she passed in 2012, my grandmother was 50 years old. You know, she she was still young yeah. and she was having strokes and uh, blood clots. And then my grandmother passed away uh two, two, three years before she passed away. She was on dialysis. But my grandmother was the cleaner. You know, when mm-hmm. you see the help, that's who she was years ago. Mm -hmm. cleaning up people houses that she cleaned up a family home so long they came to the funeral in support and offered things you know it was an italian family she took care of actually okay which is funny you
0: know (laughs) hell yeah everything comes together
1: seriously and she she didn't take care of herself she was focused on the family you know uh i i i looked at how it was seeing them yell you know my my mother and my grandmother, they yelled a lot. You know, my grandmother was a cigarette smoker. She used to be a chain smoker, and that's part of why she had a blood clot and a stroke. Mm-hmm. But um, that was her coping mechanism. She smoked cigarettes in packs of Newports, you know, OG mm-hmm. style. She 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 raised her voice and yelled and screamed at the top of her lungs. My grandmother had a little crazy side to her. She had a butcher knife in the freezer. Don't ask. <laughs> Damn, in the freezer,
0: though. Damn. Okay. She was thinking, thinking.
1: You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> they thinking about stories that I've heard. Like my grandmother experienced abuse,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but she held on. You know. Um, we all. I hear it every day. My family My fiance says to me, "Babe, why do I always have to be strong? You know that that." Black women gotta be strong mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah. you don't, love. You can be vulnerable. You can be human. You can cry. You can go through things. Yes, you can have days where you don't want to do shit. You ain't gotta do shit. Yeah, that's it normal. It will get done.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's human. You're human. It's okay to be human. It's okay to go through these things. But once again, when you are brought up to believe different. And maybe not believe different when, you bro- when you're brought when you brought up seeing different, mm-hmm. you follow the path, which is one of those generational curses. Well, how do I break this curse that where I can figure out how to take care of myself? Because guess what? If you're the one who live in that lifestyle and your kids are going to follow suit. And their kids are gonna follow suit, and their kids are gonna follow suit, and it's just gonna continue to be a trend. And everybody's going to be depressed and sad, and ain't nobody gonna have a shit together. That's why we always get up, get caught up in yeah, we can go to college and get a degree, but why we ain't running our own businesses? Why are we working for people forever? Because guess what? We spend too much time working for everybody else, we forget about self.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's the worst thing
1: that you know there's a time when you got to cut the cord yeah and absolutely we a lot of us still have the umbilical cord attached to our parents to which we are unable to break the generational curse because that cord is still attached and you're still a part of them
0: yeah and that's the that's the toughest thing to realize that and to break that that's the toughest thing
1: i i broke it um i was afraid so um confession uh there might i believe there's only two people in the world that knows this uh that's my fiance and my therapist that um i did not tell my mother that i was getting therapy until last year during the pandemic when i had a breakdown really so, yes and i have been getting therapy for the longest um I think I briefly was having a conversation with her in a car one day. And I ended up telling her that I have bipolar disorder. Um and multiple personality disorder. It was literally a conversation. And she didn't judge me, she didn't question anything, but she became more gentle with me. And I didn't know she was capable of doing that. Because
0: Yeah, you see the whole other side.
1: Yeah, because I used to like my mom was always like hard, like. She always had to be hard on us in certain ways. And I remember one day saying, Mom, like, you don't always have to be like that. I said, Mom, you hurt my feelings when you said that. And she got mad. with Gianni, don't play with me. You know, when you hear don't play with me, you know what? Don't play with me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not playing with you, Mom. Like, I'm serious. You hurt my feelings. And then she was like, oh, why are you being so sensitive and you tripping? And I didn't talk to her for two days after that. Because of how she made me feel, and then she finally reached out and said, "I'm sorry." Wow. And I think that one is one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life is to hear sorry from my mother. um Because the t- the, the time that I did hear sorry from my mother, my mother apologized for something she had no reason to apologize for, mm-hmm. and that was because when my grand um, losing my grandmother was one of the hardest things I've ever experienced in my life, as I said in the beginning, but um. I took care of my grandmother. I was that. I didn't have, uh, a, a, I didn't have, uh, <laughs> my teenage years wasn't normal. Uh-huh. I was helping with my grandmother. I was helping take care of my grandmother and being her caretaker and, um, assisting my mom because I wanted my grandmother to be okay. Yeah. And my mom felt bad about it. You know, that I wasn't the one in the club. And, um, I, I've only seen let out one time. um, literally one time and um, that was just riding by the let out uh one of my best friends I lost him to suicide um that was my baby but um the weekend he passed away he asked me to come to the club and I didn't go to the club I rather I I I didn't go to the club because I wanted to make sure my grandmother was okay yeah so um, I didn't have those experiences like other people, you know, like yeah, you had um, to grow
0: up mad fast. It,
1: it wasn't really growing up fast. It was just I, I chose family and I chose love. I Which chose is very love. important. And um, I, I, I do wish some days like, dang, I wish I was able to do that. I hear people uh club stories and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know much about that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I was at the Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne Rick Ross concert. You ain't go to that anymore. <laughs> I want to go to that. You know, when I did go to a concert, uh it's just funny here thinking about it, It's like, oh yeah, the concerts that I was at, uh, I went to Water Street years ago when pretty Ricky came.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wasn't supposed to be there because I was underage, but I was there. And, you know that's what yeah. I could talk about because I was with my cousins you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't I don't really know what uh, I, I I think I couldn't tell you what the inside of Envy looked like or Liquid um, I've been in venue <laughs> you know yeah. like I, I don't know I've been in venue only because I was doing poetry so right. um, it was a Wednesday night and I was asked to do a, 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 po- a poem I was asked to uh, headline a show but that was it that was it Shit. so I, i'm she apologized for it and i was like mom you don't have to apologize uh but i'd rather my mom apologize to me for making me feel bad and hurting my feelings than to apologize for me taking care of her mother who was the most beautiful and amazing person that ever grace earth.
0: absolutely yeah 100 percent. and i mean at the at, at the end of the day i mean like family, love, all that's the most important thing. I mean, you you sound like that's like number 1 for you.
1: All day long.
0: So like for you that's not that's not a problem for you and like all the other things, I mean, that's secondary to that. Mhm. So I mean that it makes sense then that in 2012 that's when like you actually blew up. I that's
1: literally crashed down on me.
0: So what what happened in 2012 that made you like realize like cuz obviously in the moment you're not like oh shit, I'm snapping. But like after the facts, so like what well, made you realize like, oh damn, I just went off.
1: So it was actually, uh, it was a lot. So 2012 was the last year I uh, had true fun. And, and during that time period, mm. um, and the first time I really had to acknowledge that I wasn't okay um so during that time my my grandmother was still alive i was having severe migraines i didn't know what the hell was going on but these they were like um they were impairing so i wouldn't be able to do anything
2: mm-hmm.
1: but my grandmother had vicodin and that was the only thing that would knock out the migraine for like 10 15 minutes but it would come right back Damn. and so she passed away may 31st 2012 prior to that i had went on a cruise with my aunt, my uncle and my cousin. Um, when I got back to Rochester, uh, she was in the hospital. That She was the reason why I actually came back to Rochester. So um, I went on the cruise, the eight day cruise. So mm-hmm. I was gone for nine days with them. When I returned to Fort Lauderdale, I flew into Jacksonville with my grandfather um, my mother's father, I had flew into um, Jacksonville to be with him in um, Georgia for the week. Um, that Wednesday, I got the call that my great-grandmother went into the hospital and that she didn't have a lot of time. And then Thursday, they called and said my grandmother was in the hospital. Okay, well, I got to get home. My mom was like, no, enjoy yourself, Gianni. I said, no, I got to come home. Um, my grandfather ended up finding the first flight out for me uh, that he could get which was Saturday morning. I think I had left at like two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. to get back to Rochester.
0: You made sure you were uh, there then.
1: Yeah. I needed to be by her side. Uh, when I got back, um, I, w- <laughs> I knew I needed to be there for her. Cause I was upset with my grandmother before I left Rochester. So, um, she was sick, you know, she was old, she was sick, she, she, her, her independence was being taken from her, so there were times that she would be, like, really, really obnoxious and me. and I had said, grandma, you know, you don't be mean to the people who take care of you, me and mommy take care of you, you're nice to all these other people, they don't come check on you, they don't do nothing for you, but we do stuff for you, you're mean to us, that's not okay, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to talk to her, so I, like, kept my distance from her but while I was on a cruise my grandmother called me like four times she ran up my Sprint bill um yeah. that's why I ain't paid but uh, <laughs> I, I
0: feel that I feel that 100%
1: yeah. I mean we're in the middle of the ocean and my grandmother is calling me telling me come home you know that Never. was my babe but um that was so April 23rd until whenever so April 23rd it was like nine days I left, I'm, I'm doing the math because April 23rd is actually when I left Rochester. Uh, so then when I got back, she was sick. I believe my sister, I was here for Mother's Day, which was that following week, which was Sunday. And then my sister graduated from college that weekend. So, um, my grandmother had like, they had discharged her like a week after I got home, put her into rehab. The woman discharged herself from there. She was tripping. um Man, <laughs> she ain't really.
2: Wanna...
1: She was tripping. She ain't going to be bothered. They wasn't feeding her. They ain't <laughs> wasn't getting rid of her food. She ain't like that. And so <laughs> she home. Um, Then she eventually ended up going back into the hospital because she aspirated. But they she got pneumonia from aspiration. Um. She was in Highland Hospital. I think she was there for about a week. Um, She was still sick, and I kept saying, you know, she's not doing well. Uh, I actually was able to pick my grandmother up because she had been so weak. Um, But, you know, these hospitals are shitty sometimes. They don't do their job. Um, If it was up to me, I would have sued Highland Hospital, but my mother told me no. Um, That's another thing from our elders they have ways with stuff like that 100% they like yeah. to brush things under the rug
0: uh-huh.
1: but um my grandmother had they had uh, discharged her and sent her to Monroe Community Hospital um because she was unable to go home so that was the uh senior living or whatever that's where she was gonna be
2: yeah um,
1: my grandmother had, hadn't been there for 24 hours she had got admitted at about three o'clock that afternoon um we went to see her we went to Walmart to get the things she needed at the place and um I woke up my stepdad came in my room at seven o'clock in the morning and told me my grandmother passed away uh she had passed away at 218 on May 31st 2012. Um still mind blown I think I still haven't completely accepted that she's gone uh I started really having more, more migraines after that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had, uh, so we had the funeral and everything. On the 4th of July, my great-grandmother passed away. Um, yeah, and then uh, the same day, so my grandmother, not my grandma, my aunt's ex, uh, my uncle Gary, um his not his mom name was miss williams we everybody loved miss williams she was like a grandmother to me she passed away on the fourth of july 2012 as well um that tuesday uh i was working an undertable job uh-huh. um the person who gave me the job texted me and told me not to come back that, uh I had too much going on and she think it was best that she let me go. So I kind of got fired in a text message. She didn't have the decency to call me. Damn. And um, Jesus
0: Christ. You, all that shit just stacked.
1: Well, at one time, you know, they say when it rains, it pours. Damn right. Um, I had a whole hurricane Katrina going on in my life. <laughs> um, Sound
0: like it. goddamn.
1: Terrible. And then two weeks after that, which was still in July, I believe it was July 18th. Um, so the week before July 18th, I had a bad headache, and I went to Highland Hospital, urgent um, emergency room. Mm-hmm. This headache wouldn't go away. I couldn't figure it out. They gave me the Flex-a-roll, They gave me all these medications, and nothing worked. Mm-hmm. But they sent me home, and they said I was going to be fine. Of course they did. No. I was worse. Um, it's like laid out on the bathroom floor, throwing up. And I had um, popped a a vein in my eye. It was horrible. I've never had that happen before, just from throwing up and crying.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Woke Up the next morning, I had a film over my eyes. I could barely see. Um, I had a doctor. um, I was getting a new doctor at that point in time. Um, You know, it was the transition. Because my pediatric doctor, he was so dope. He let me stay longer than I was supposed to. Yeah. um but I had to transition to an, a, another doctor because I was getting ready to turn 21 years old um they checked my eyes uh my optic nerves was so swollen uh they couldn't figure out what, what why I was still okay my blood pressure was about um I think it was like 234 or something I have the papers mm-hmm. um it was severely high I should have been dead. Um, they rushed me to the hospital. I had to have an emergency uh spinal tap. Um, I could not see. They wanted to have a surgery. It was it's called an optic nerve um optic nerve sheath where they cut a slit into your eye. So right here, they will cut a slit into your eye. Mm. Kind of get your eyeball out and put a slit into your eyeball where your uh vein is to drain it. Oh um but god is good god had my back and god said we're not gonna do all of that um and i was on several medications one day uh i wasn't talking i couldn't see i mean i don't I'm uh-huh. for. I can't see anything i can't write poetry
2: uh-huh.
1: i can't read my poetry i don't want to talk to nobody i was, I was literally depressed in my room and on um, one day i was trying to pour um pills i was going to take them all. my baby brother had walked in the room and he was a kid. You know, he didn't know what was going on. He was just coming in to be by my side, and he kind of stopped me. That was the moment he saved my life. Um, I was going through it so bad. I mean, after that, I had got addicted to Percocet. Like, uh, my family don't even know that. I was just popping them. Like, it made me feel good. Yeah. I'm on clouds. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as it was medication for the pains, it was also medication to uh, take me away. For yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: that's, that, that's, I mean, there's definitely a coping mechanism for all that, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. uh, Then um, I lost my best friend uh, to suicide. <laughs> then um, a good friend I went to school with, he died into a car accident. Not a car accident, he was hit by a car in Florida, died on scene brain dead and everything i was like what the hell is going on like why is all of this happening um i was just becoming more and more upset i was going to mcc i was staying away from people i wasn't talking to people then i finally decided i was going to try it i think i reached my breaking point in the school when um i was friends with a white girl named courtney Mm -hmm. Um, courtney was from geneva and just so happened her favorite rapper was notorious BIG. And um she was hanging with the wrong person because she was trying to use the N-word as if it was free for her. To-
0: <laughs> no, no, no.
1: Ass. And um, I got in a lot of trouble for that at school. And that's when they made me start uh going to see a therapist and a counselor because I was so angry. Um it was a white guy like tall skinny white guy. I don't even remember his name. He was like telling me like you're angry. I'm not angry. You don't know. You're you don't know what are you know, talking like, about? You don't know my story, man. Don't tell me I'm angry. That made me angry. And I like bugged out
0: mm-hmm.
1: at MCC And then uh I think a couple months later I had actually started seeing uh Miss Hill. So Tasha Hill, she worked for Hillside Work Scholarship Connection when I was at in, um at Wilson. Mm-hmm. then she became the mcc navigator for hillside um and hillside work scholarship connection actually follows you your entire college career okay. so that's why the navigators are there so i was like doing horrible in school like i was failing classes i was not doing good But miss hill was like oh we're gonna get you on track mm-hmm. but she was like what's going on she was going to school to be a um counsel, a, a mental health counselor i believe it was and for her um degree she had to uh do like a study or whatever and i was her study but she happened to be the therapist so mm.
2: that's
1: when i started dealing with a lot and she's like you know you should get the help that you need. i'm like, I'm as hell. i'm fine can i get a mountain dew she's like you can't uh-huh. even focus you know <laughs> i don't funny.
0: need help i need a mountain dew
1: <laughs> yeah you know like stop playing with me but um Time passed. I got involved with this woman who was a little off her rocker, and um, I snapped. She pissed me off real good, and I snapped on her, and um, I just lost it. And I'm like, oh shit, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like, put hands on her or nothing like that. I just bugged out. Like, oh man, I'm tired of this. Like, I do so much for people. I'm so selfless. I was so selfless. Like, I, I. I the hell was loving yourself. What did that even mean? Because I had to make sure everybody else was okay.
0: Right. That, that was, was your job about. since you were in high yeah,
1: school. Seriously. And that's what Ms. Hill would always say is like, no, stop taking care of everybody else. You need to take care of yourself. I'm like, no, Ms. Hill, like I'm good. Um but this woman was, you know, I felt like she 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 got what she could get out of me and she played the game pretty well. And I I got upset and then I finally um attempted suicide again um i took a bunch of pills and um i i took a bunch of pills and i was still able to get up and go to work damn that's because they didn't kick in yet oh and um i was on my way to work at rochester child first network Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i got in front of the job in the uh I took a lift that day
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and the driver was like, you don't look good. You sure you don't want me to take you across the street to the hospital? He was a Muslim. I said, no, I'm fine, man. I'm good. I guess I must have been slurring my words. He took me to the hospital and um, they, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Uh, When I got there, they, Hooked me to the IV, and they found like all oh, my numbers was all over the place It was trying to figure out what was going on mm-hmm. i eventually told them um within moments of me telling them i had two police officers uh two security guards and a nurse sitting by my bedside they said we can't keep you here we have to transfer you to strong hospital cpap unit and they did that it took me to Strong, and um, it was crazy because, I mean, you see movies, and you see people end up places, and they're like, what the hell? How did I get here?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's really what happened to me. Like, I literally woke up in an elevator with people standing around me and like, what the hell? They were, like, standing next to me, um, and I had to go to this floor mm-hmm. on this hospital bed. They took me to this floor I've never seen before. It was completely locked down the there was uh you couldn't get in without a pass well without the security guard like it was like a real police officer not just a security guard it's a police officer like they had to let you in and out like it was a door you can get through it if you had a pass Mm -hmm. but they had to go through clearance to get out it was a mess like
2: yeah
1: and um the person I called was the person I was dating at the time which was a crazy bitch um she wanted them to keep me she asked them to keep me and admit me. Um, wow. I got lucky because the uh, social worker who I was speaking to, um, she was a student at MCC and her professor was the same professor as mine. I'm sorry, she's not my professor, she's a mentor. She's my mentor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, she had, cause you know, they they interview you. So um I don't know if you've ever been in the CPEP, you know, you know anybody that's ever been in, but they give you a full interview. You have to interview with a social worker, you have to interview with a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Like you have to go through a full clearance before they even decide to release you. Right. And um I actually was a I, you know, I can talk my way out of anything. I'm a poet, you know, why not?
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. I you know how it. It.
1: and um she told me. If we don't keep you here to admit you, you need to do the partial hospitalization program, but partial hospitalization program works as a full-time job. So you will miss work. You have two weeks that you have to go in eight to four. Um, It is a real full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be there on time. You cannot be late. If you're late, you get in trouble. If you miss a day, you can get admitted to the hospital. Um, I went through the whole program, which I think was phenomenal. It was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life, other than me sitting in a psychiatrist's room with my feet kicked up on her table like I was running the place. And um am <laughs> cussing her out for telling me that uh, I needed to talk. I said, I don't want to talk to you because I don't know you. Said, Why would I talk to you about what I feel? You don't know me. I said, white people always want to tell black people how to feel. You can't tell me how to feel. You don't know my story. And I was tripping in there. Mm-hmm. And um when I finally got discharged from partial hospitalization program, like I said, God is really good. Um, I got lucky because um strong actually had an opening for a new client. Um, I had got a new therapist the first day. Um, so my first appointment was following partial. So partial ended on Friday. My first appointment with a therapist was that Monday. Um, I met with my therapist. I also met with my um, nurse. So you do have a LPN nurse who prescribes you medications and everything. Um, they had, they had me on one medication that um, I didn't like how it made me feel. Cause I would just like which, which when you see people who have mental health issues or who are on certain medications that they really do look sad and they don't look like themselves that's what I was going through literally like um after my where after I bugged out in the therapy session she had prescribed me a medication and um I would just either be asleep or I would just be like hi I guess
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um I told my therapist about it. I told my nurse about it and they had to prescribe me something else to help me regulate my emotions. Um, I was, so two, 2018 was when they officially diagnosed me with uh, manic depression two mm-hmm. um, or bipolar two, as well as um, BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, also have disassociative disorder which is uh, I often disassociate when I'm upset. Um, what does that mean? Black like, you're
0: like, i black you out. Mean... Oh, I really?
2: Black
1: out. So, like, if I get too upset, I will black out. And I'll completely shut down. I won't talk. I won't have nothing to say or I just won't be bothered. Um, there has been times where i blacked out to where I can't tell you what happened. Somebody has to tell me what happened. My past relation my past relationship um, she kind of triggered me really bad and um, <laughs> the next thing I remembered um, after I spazzed out was looking at the wall and it was a complete hole in the wall about this big I threw a chair to the wall Man. and I punched, um, punched the heater thing the meter uh-huh. I was so upset like you know you you're accusing me of things and you bothering me like but i wouldn't put my hands on her like yeah um, even
0: when you're blacked out
1: i wouldn't do it uh i try not to let people get me to that place um i definitely had a plan um i have been in contact with uh mobile crisis Mm -hmm. different resources i utilize the resources um being part of um therapy they give you all kind of resources i actually have the number for my therapist, you know, like, if I get upset right now, to where I need, like, I need to talk to somebody, I can call my therapist and leave a message or send my, me- my therapist a message on my chart, and I may not respond right away, but I will be able to talk to them within 24 hours, and, um, wow. there was one time where I had, like, gotten so depressed when I was working for AT&T, mm-hmm. I had so much on my plate, and I just felt like I couldn't carry the load, and my fiance was trying to help me like understand, like, you know, babe, it's going to be okay. Like, it's just money. And I'm like, no, it's not just money. Like stuff got to be taken care of. Like I'm not okay right now.
2: Yeah. And
1: she's like, no babe, like we got this. We're going to be good. But I, I like to make sure my family is set. I feel that. You know, which goes back to how I was brought up and um, I had gotten really sad and I had got to work. I was sitting outside in the parking lot, shut down crying and um, we had to call my therapist. My therapist had like called back within two minutes and she had to talk to me and Mm -hmm. she had to talk to my fiance and I had walked into work and I talked to the district manager. He actually happened to be on site at the time.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And he, before I could even open my mouth, I wasn't crying. I had cleaned myself up, and I walked in. You know, I had my earring. I had my my golden. I had my uh-huh. chain on. I had my nice polo all cleaned <laughs> up. I had to make sure I looked like looked apart. Had my hat on. I looked good. I thought I did until he looked me in the face and he said, "Whoa, are you okay?" And I said, "No, I'm fine." He said, "No, that's not you. That's not like you. That's not the Gianni I know. You're always so happy and..." what's going on I said no I'm fine he said no I don't think so I don't think you should be here right now mm-hmm. and I said no I'm fine and he kept till he talked to me and then I broke down crying and he was like excuse me as much as we need you here I think we can handle you not being here today and I think you need to take a couple of days off <laughs> Um, he was totally unaware that my therapist was on the phone with my fiance at that moment in the car. She refused to leave me. And, um, it, it's just, you know, I, I've gone through so much because I bottled so much in,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, just family issues, financial issues, mental issues, emotional issues, you know, um, not facing a lot of things like it's been times where I would refuse to even go to therapy just because I thought I was okay take your meds six months and then you feel better and then you stop and then boom a month later you're back to where you were just at Mm -hmm. um because I always say like oh I don't like taking meds because I don't want to look like I'm crazy but it doesn't make you seem crazy not taking a meds you're crazy uh by taking your meds you're crazy not to take your meds (laughs) because it it really does help you regulate like um they're the medications that did have me shutting down and all over like crazy like where I was just like not myself and my eyes were rolling and those medications um I will I got taken off of them and they put me on the right ones Mm -hmm. to help me regulate my emotions and when I say I'm regulated I'm so good I'm 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 so good. You know, like my therapist told me just this past Friday, he, I have a new one. He described, um, he said in life, we have, uh, three essential, I mean, I'm gonna tell you exactly what he said. Cause I took notes and yes, I do take notes in um, therapy.
0: That's honestly really smart. Cause then you can actually take it with you.
1: Yeah. So he said, we have three essential, valuable resources. There's number. there's three of them. Mm -hmm. And he said, our three most valuable resources are time, energy, and attention.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And he said, time, because I live by the code that time is the one thing we can never get back, right? So don't waste your time. You can never get time back. But he said, time, when you look at time, yes, there's 24 hours in a day, out of the 24 hours, you only have really, give or take, eight hours
2: mm-hmm.
1: to get through the day. Mm-hmm. So you have sleep. He said you have, maybe you have a job.
2: Oh, okay.
1: You got bathroom breaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got kids. You got errands to run. And then those those couple hours that you that. Time that you have to get through what's most important. Don't waste your time on things and people that don't matter because you can't get that time back.
0: That's a fact.
1: Then he said, Energy. He said, Energy is like a cell phone battery. Mm-hmm. Some days you wake up and you have 100%. Some days you wake up, you have 99%. Then there are certain days that you may wake up and you forgot to put it on the charger. So you only got. 40 percent you only have so much energy to use for the day use it wisely because mm-hmm. it's gone and it's depleted you can't get it back because you have to recharge
0: right exactly
1: recharge it's time so your energy is one and the same as time and mm-hmm. then you have attention and he broke down attention so thoroughly i was like a little mind blown how he did it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he was breaking down attention from a
0: poet that's crazy because you're usually the one breaking everything down
1: yeah you know he he, he, very profound um he broke down attention as if the way he broke down time and energy but he said attention you don't have a lot of attention in a day Mm -hmm. you think you do but you don't Nobody can really put all of their attention into everything at a time. So you literally can only use attention for one thing at a time, which means you don't have a lot of attention to use for the day. Mm -hmm. Meaning, yes, if you have a job, he said, for you, you work with kids, you have, you can give attention to that one kid and you try to give, he said, imagine trying to give all of your attention to all of the kids at one time. How much attention did you just deplete?
0: I mean that'd be everything
1: exactly so he said you can only give so much attention at a time and it's not a lot do not waste your attention on things and people that do not matter for somebody who deals with severe mental health issues and um, a lot of sadness and um, depression from letdowns and people and Things like that, you do put your energy and your time into people and things that don't matter. Um, The way he broke it down, now I'm like, oh, shoot. All right, that ain't worth my time. So I'm not going to give you that. I ain't even going to pay that shit no attention. Cause I got to put my attention into something else. Cause That's then if huge. I'm wasting attention on this and I'm not going to put my energy into that. And even though he said it Friday, I literally put that into action these last couple of days. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have so much more time and energy and attention to give really? when I don't put it into negative things. I swear to you, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm like, literally paying attention to certain things, like, and I'll say, like, today, somebody texted me something crazy, and I'm like, okay. I responded to him, okay. And that's it. And I said, I'm not even going to give him that. And I closed it out. Damn. I'm not even going to give you that. Because if I give that to you, then it's just going to piss me off. Literally taking that moment to say, like, this jackass is a waste of time. That's huge. Attention and energy. Like, I literally put something that I could use for something else into that. No, I said, okay. I I said, okay to him. And I closed the message. And I went on to the next thing. And I think I started laughing at the next thing as if it never happened. Because if we continue to put our time, energy, and attention into things, people, and situations that will strip those things from us. We're never going to be okay. And I want to be okay. You know, I, my, my mental health is not a hundred percent. I've yeah. broken down all the time. I just had a breakdown last month. Or just yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I want to be back in that space. That's so I right do I do? I focus on me, I hone in on myself. And um, I take my meds. I took my fiance saying, baby, you need to take your meds. Without saying it, she'd be like, baby, you tripping. She won't tell me I'm tripping because she knows she's gonna piss me off. She'll be like, babe, you should take your meds." <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like a nice way to let you know.
1: Yeah, like and she holds me accountable. And I think that's a big different that's a big thing for somebody like myself who, who deals with what I do. It is when you when when you have people in your life who hold you accountable for that.
2: Right. Exactly. To be
1: okay. Accountability is everything. So I need you to be okay because you can't. You can't take care of me or anybody else if you can't take care of you.